in Toronto, where the Wizards just lost to the Raptors, 129 to 120. Pascal Siakam, career high, 44 points and 10 rebounds on a night where I spent the. Uh, I had a conversation with Eric Kareen, also of The Athletic, before the game about how nobody properly rates Pascal Siakam. He's either overrated or underrated, depending on who he talks to. And then he goes for 44-10. and 10. I'm here with Ryan Wolstad of the Toronto Sun. We're, uh, let's start with Siakam. Let's, let's. I mean, I think I might be one of those people guilty of overrating him. I actually did a piece on my All-Stars for the East, and I put him as a second Raptor over Kyle Lowry. I thought he's been that good and that consistent. He's been really good when Lowry plays, really good when Lowry doesn't play, really good when Kawhi Leonard plays, really good when Kawhi Leonard doesn't play. Just consistently awesome this year. Obviously, he's still very young. He'll still make some mistakes, but this kid is super talented, and he's been a huge reason for the Raptors' success. His switchability on defense has been massive. Uh, The development of his three-point shot and just his ability to get to the rim at will. So I think he's a real interesting up-and-comer. And, I mean, there's a scenario where I know Raptor fans won't like it, but he's the future of the team if if everything kind of... uh, goes goes to hell and Kawhi leaves and all that happens, he's the guy they're going to be building around and trying to compliment. So, But right now, he's a heck of a you know third option or whatever he is, I guess. Tonight, he was the, the first option for sure with Kawhi out of the lineup. Yeah, he's wildly talented. And uh, Scott Brooks, I don't know if you saw Scott Brooks said after the game that he's going to be an all-star next year. So Scott Brooks is... He's on board. Scott, <laughs> Scott Brooks jokes a little bit too often that he has... He's he's not on Twitter. He jokes a little bit too often that uh, that he has burner accounts on yeah, Twitter and follows all of us. He's got one of those Colangelos. And he does it he does it enough that I I kind of think he actually might have burner accounts on Twitter and and follows us. And so maybe he is secretly part of basketball Twitter, just tweeting things at me, and I don't even know what the hell they could possibly be. I, like I don't even know who the hell it possibly is. I think it's some random egg, and it's Scott Brooks. Siakam though, like. His game has come so far. He was four for five from three today. He's still not totally consistent with the three-point shot, but, like, he's so good when he puts the ball on the floor. He's so good on the break. He's so good finishing. His percentages around the rim are just wild. Tonight he's 15 for 25 from the field. It's crazy he can be so efficient when he doesn't always hit that three so consistently. His spin move is is killer. Uh, he's just gotten so good. And, and look, this was the perfect matchup for him because you look at the bigs the Wizards have and they just don't have a rim protector and Toronto played some lineups where they played big I mean now that they have Gasol they're playing Gasol and Ibaka for a short stretch together and the Wizards countered with a really really big lineup they played Trevor Rees at the two Beal at the one and Jeff Green at the three Jeff Green has barely played at the three the problem is like when you play a big lineup Normally, the advantage of that is you can use size to your advantage. Mm. But Jeff Green at the three doesn't really do much for you. Jabari Parker at the four is not going to give you rim protection or help defense or anything like that. Uh, Thomas Bryant is not a rim protector yet. He'll make some athletic plays around the rim, but his pick-and-roll defense isn't there. His communication's not there. Like, you're not going to benefit from the big stuff that you get normally when you play big guys. The reason you would play big guys and... Siakam, no matter who he was going against, whether it was Bobby Portis at the five, was kind of uh, kind of an advanced defensive version of what Thomas Bryant is. No matter who they played at those levels, Siakam was just able to get to the rim, especially in transition, and it just like it just killed the Wizards. I mean, the transition thing happened too because the Wizards had 18 turnovers or whatever it was. Like they just 
They just killed him that way. And even at the beginning of the game, the Raptors were just pitching it ahead. They've done this a lot this year. Lowry will just, you know, turn to a QB and just bomb it down. And Siakam, one of his best skills is no one gets down the court faster than him. No big man in the NBA gets down the lines quicker than that guy. And he was just killing the Wizards at the beginning repeatedly just by outrunning them and getting easy buckets or free throws. And that's what sort of gave him maybe the confidence to keep going to eventually get to that 44. And, and that's one of his real strengths for sure. I mean, the Raptors had that. Uh, Amir Johnson was a little like that, but nothing, not the same. He would outrun guys a little bit a few times a game, but Siakam just does it. He puts that pressure on you all night, and it and it really it creates a lot of havoc. Yeah. Wizards could have won this game. They could have. They they didn't really play badly. Like, no. they they the thing is, they're 24 and 34 now. They're 10 under 500 as we head into the All-Star break. There are a lot of games. They're, they're something terrible on the road. 7-24 yeah. and 24 or whatever the heck it is. I still feel like they would have lost. The Raptors would have found a way. But if they had, like, Sadoransky, like a real point guard in, yeah. I think it could have been a different game. I still feel like the Raptors are pretty good even without Kawhi. And even the Raptors would have played just well enough to win. Yeah, I still think they would have squeaked it out. But it definitely it should it probably would have been a little different. Yeah, I mean, I think... You look at their, the Wizards' recent schedule, and this is not one they, even without Kawhi, this is not yeah. one they should have won. No. I mean, you go to Toronto, Raptors are still good without Kawhi. The Raptors are basically really good as long as Kyle Lowry is on the floor. The Kyle Lowry on off combinations are absurd. Yeah. Like, he it's can the be Atkins on the floor. As well. They've been amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, one of those. Well, that's the argument for uh, now they have Gasol. That's the argument for yeah. Siakam off the bench, right? I, I, I think as good as Serge has played, I, that's the guy I would be shifting. I would I would start Gasol. I think you'd get more out of him, especially he's older as well. I think you don't have to wait to get him going. And I think he's you know he's he's come off the bench like ten percent of his career, maybe less. I looked it up the other day and it was something crazy. It was like like twenty of like eight hundred games or something. So I, I think I just think he's more used to. It. You're gonna get more from him starting, and I think him and Siakam will be a really nice combo. The only thing is maybe the pace. He, he's Memphis was such a slow, grit and grind pace for years, and the Raptors are trying to push the ball and be one of the maybe not the, the quickest in the league, but they're trying to be pretty fast. Lowry likes to run. Obviously, we, we covered Siakam liking to run. So I don't know. That's gonna be some getting used to for Gasol. But I think I don't know. I feel like that Serge will be the guy that goes at some point. I don't know how he'll react to that, but it, that that to me makes the most sense. I just don't see how you could bench Siakam at this point. He's he's just too good. We're getting the real. Natural sound of Scotiabank Arena right now with people walking by in the hallway. Cleaning up and, and heading out. Back back to my original point, though, which I put myself on a tangent from before, which is that like if you look at this road trip or the recent road games, the Wizards lost in Milwaukee. They got killed in Milwaukee, but like that's fine. Everyone does. The Bucks just destroy everyone now. Yeah. So like they have a plus 10 net rating right now. They just kill everyone. So like whatever. You lost in Milwaukee. You got killed in Milwaukee. Who cares? Great teams get destroyed in Milwaukee. You have a competitive game where you're up 12 midway through the third quarter. You're up 80 to 68. Nick Nurse calls a timeout. Raps go on a 15-0 run. They basically controlled the game from that point on because the Wizards missed some shots. Lowry hit a three. Siakam hit a three. They got a nice run, and they just sustained. The Raptors were really, really good. They had a couple of really good players who played really good games, and they ended up winning that game. The one that hurts you is that you go to Detroit and you lose. Like, I'm not arguing the Wizards should win that game because they have a worse record than Detroit. They're terrible on the road, and they go to Detroit, and they they lose a competitive game in Detroit. I'm not saying the Wizards should win that game, mm-hmm. 
but they're four back in the loss column of Detroit for the eight seed or for the eight seed right now as we go into the playoffs. And like those are the ones that would have made the difference in the tiebreaker at the end of the year. If they win that game, they're two back in the loss column. Like those are the ones that yeah, you have to win. You know, it is, it's but it's I don't know. Like I feel like the Wizards. I don't even know what they should be playing for at this point, and, and it's tough. Uh, do they? They have their pick, or they don't. They're the first. Uh, they have their pick. They have their pick. So I feel like they should. I don't know. It's hard to pack it in, but once you lose Wall and with Dwight playing like two games or whatever, like it's tough. And, and other guys in and out of the lineup. I don't know. I see that it's close, but like you said, they got crushed by Milwaukee. Like, do you want to just squeak in and get annihilated in four games? Maybe five if you win one against Milwaukee. They, or, or they do. Okay. They, I know they, they said do. they do. I know, they like, do. Uh, Ted Leonsis has said it, but, I mean, if you're smart, I don't see the point of that. You, It's not like you're, like, Orlando, you haven't been in the playoffs in 40 years and you want to make the playoffs. Washington's been in the playoffs. They haven't done so well, but they've been there. It's like, get get a nice pick and... God. I mean, the only thing I'd, I'd say to that, I've talked to some executives who say, like, the once you get out of the top of this draft, there's not a huge difference between, like, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, you know, up to, like you know, into the 20s. There's not a huge difference after the top of this. So maybe it doesn't really matter if you if you squeak in the playoffs or if you're in the lottery or not. But then again, there's new lottery odds and maybe you move up. So Here's the know. thing. The best way to phrase this is that the Wizards are closer to the top five than they are to the playoffs right now. Yeah. Like, if they want it, the Hawks are playing okay. Yeah. If they really organizationally made a decision, we're going to dive below the Hawks. Maybe they wouldn't get below Memphis. Uh, who's like a game worse than them or a half a game worse than them right now? But if they really made an organizational decision to veer in that direction, they could get a top. They could get into the top five. Well, I think and they definitely should do that. Then I actually yeah. think Memphis is going to be pretty competitive now. Like if if Conley can stay healthy, if they have Valanciunas, yeah. he'll be the starter before long, and that's an upgrade. Uh, I mean, it's not an upgrade over Gasol, but I mean, it's just, it's a steady guy that that's going to be good. Delon Wright will help with their depth, and CJ Miles like they, they're. Jackson's getting better every game. Like I feel like the Wizards could be worse. And yeah, and and nowadays, but here's the thing: like nowadays, being in the top five is kind of all you need. Like it's like you, top five, you get a ten percent chance at the yeah. first pick. If you're if you have the worst record in the league, it's only a fourteen percent chance at the first pick. So like, it's really it's a yeah. negligible difference if you're top five versus top three and getting that fourteen percent chance versus that ten percent chance. Like. With the new lottery rules, if you get in that top five, you're you're in pretty good shape, which I think is part of why the Hawks are like, you know, you talk to somebody with the Hawks, and the Hawks are like, whatever, we're winning, it's fine. Like, yeah. there's really no actual difference between five and three now with yeah. the new lottery rules. So, I guess in that sense, I didn't think the new lottery rules were going to work in terms of deterring tanking. But if that's how the Hawks are thinking, then, like, okay. Like, yeah. that's, they. I guess they are, because that's kind of what people... I mean, I get whatever we're winning is not exactly like, oh, I'm so happy we're winning, but it's a lot better than we are going to actively try to lose, and we're going to do whatever we can to lose. So I guess it's working a little bit in that sense. The Wizards don't want that, though. Like, if they did, they would have traded Jeff Green at the deadline. Like, Jeff Green, holding on to... They say they want to re-sign Trevor Ariza. Uh, so I guess that is incentive to holding on to him because you can give him a bigger deal. You have the financial advantage. You can offer him up to $18 million next season because you have his non, non-bird rights. With Jeff Green, they can only offer him 120% of his current salary, which is the minimum. So they can only offer him, when he's on the team, $1.8 million. They, 
they have no financial advantage. Yeah, that makes no sense. Though. They I have mean, no I financial just... advantage to holding on to him. The only reason you keep Jeff Green, who has been legitimately good for them, and is not that far below 50-40-90, still, which 55 games into this season, 58 games into this season, Jeff Green is not that far off from 50-40-90. That's wild. Which is ridiculous. Uh, he's like 48-38-90 right now which is insane, and had 20-something again tonight. What did Jeff Green have? 23 tonight on 8-14 and 4-7 from 3. The only reason you hold on Jeff Green is because you want to win games, because Jeff Green is actually a good player this year, and that's the only reason you do it. You can get a, a draft pick for him. They didn't do it. They want to win, and so if they want to win, I think the worst thing you can do as an organization is have one foot on one line and one foot on the other yeah. line. I think you need to make decisive decisions, you know, and so if you're going to go for the playoffs, like, then make, make the damn playoffs. And uh, I asked Beal after the game. I was a little bit of a dick with the way I phrased it. In retrospect, I kind of forgot my question halfway through. And I asked, I, said, I just started off the first question of the scrum. I was like, you guys are 10 below 500 now. Just Let me just throw that pie in your face, Brad, after the loss. Uh, and then uh, and I said, like, what do, you, what do you have to do when you come back from the All-Star game to not – not be 10 years below 500. A real real question only a prick would ask. And uh, <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me like I was an idiot. And he said, <laughs> well, it's kind of obvious, but we have to win. And then I asked a stupid follow-up question. And I asked him, well, what do you have to do differently to win? And he said, we have to score more points than our opponents. <laughs> which yeah. I thought was funny, but like... Probably the appropriate answer. There are things they can do... I honestly, like, don't really know how much they can do that differently. Like, I can't think of anybody who I'm like, if this guy just played better, or, I mean, maybe they give Troy Brown a chance. Scott Brooks said pregame today that he does not anticipate Troy Brown when he comes back from his ankle injury getting more minutes, which I know is something that Wizards Twitter is going to be very upset to find out about. Like, I can't look at these guys and think, like, well, if Jabari Parker just played better defense. But, like, he doesn't, you know? He doesn't play better defense, so... Yeah, you can only I mean, do what I you like, can do. I like the Portis acquisition. I don't like the Jabari Parker acquisition. I like Otto Porter, but I get that if his hip is screwed or whatever, which it might be, definitely was in the playoff series against the Raptors, uh, that maybe you want to cut bait on that money. And I do like Portis. You're going to have to pay him. So, yeah, you're kind of going to be in in the middle ground. Uh, and I just – I really I, – I'll get back to that point. I really think they'd be best served being in good shape for a top five pick, I think. That is the only way to get anywhere. I just, I just think the playoffs would be a complete waste of time. You're not going to go anywhere. You need that high pick. You need a shot at Zion or the Canadian R.J. Barrett or whoever else it is, the point guard, Morant. Is, is, is every Canadian the Canadian Philip yeah, well, and Andrea? I mean, I think Barrett's going to be really good, and Wiggins hasn't quite lived up to uh, the hype. And Jamal Murray is really the torchbearer these days. He's really good, and I think people really think, good. yeah, people think Barrett will be, you know, a comparable. Maybe not as good as Murray, but he'll be maybe the second or third best Canadian in the league. And there's other guys, obviously. Who, who's like uh, if you're if you're making a Canadian starting lineup? What's the starting five? That's tough. I mean, the weird thing is Corey Joseph plays awesome in FIBA events. Like he just goes next level. He he plays really really well. So I don't, know, I don't know if you're quite ready to take him out for Shea Gilgis-Alexander yet. That, that day is going to come at some point. But right now, maybe you, you stay with Joseph and you, you start him with Jamal Murray. Uh, R.J. Barrett, 
It's probably your three. And you've got, uh, I think you'd probably still go with Tristan Thompson as your five, even though he's not going to give you much offensively. He's just going to he's going to defend and be so switch switchable and grab all the rebounds that you probably have to keep him there. Who's your four? Olenek? That, that's I mean, Olenek's been good. Uh, I'm trying to think who else would be... Uh, if Melvin Edgem's played well uh, internationally, Dwight Powell, he's more of a five, I guess, these days than FIBA. I mean, Olenek's been the guy, he's, he's paired really nicely with Thompson. He's not having a very good year for Miami, but he, he'd be up there. Dylan Brooks is more of a three, a two-three than a four. Uh, there's still a little light there. I know I'm forgetting guys. You always forget guys. It's a good backcourt, though. That's it a good backcourt of the future yeah. because Murray is going to be an all-star. Yeah. Joseph just saw, like Shea, I said, on those Shea's, Shea's, Shea's really, really good, good man. Yeah. Shea's really good. other guys coming. His uh, Shea's cousin, Nikhail Alexander-Walker, might be a lottery pick. Uh, there's a kid from Montreal, Lugans Dort, who's like a kind of a homeless man, Zion Williamson, just a freak athlete. He's coming too this year. Like, there might be like five more Canadians drafted this year, which is, if they just keep coming, it's pretty wild. Uh, they still have shooters to bring off the bench, like a Nick Stauskas. You have Kevin Pangos, who's really good internationally. You still have uh, Brady Haslip can really shoot. There's a bunch of guys that can really shoot. They're a little light up front, but, you know, Ken Birch is having a nice run as, like, kind of a, a baby Tristan Thompson in Orlando. There's just different guys everywhere. And if Wiggins ever sort of does what he has the potential to do, that's another interesting name, too. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys. Canada's really good. There's a lot of other countries that are good, too, obviously, but but Canada, they haven't been in the Olympics since 2000. They finally qualified for the World Cup for the first time since 2010, so it's finally starting to trend in the right direction, and with Barrett coming and other guys behind him, you know, this should be, things should get pretty interesting. You missed the Andy Routens era. Andy Routens, another hell of a shooter. My, my playing shoes are... I don't really use them anymore because they're old. But uh, my playing shoes were formerly, I still have them, were Andy Routon's game-used Syracuse shoes. Nice. Which Andy gave to me. That's awesome. When I was managing at Syracuse, he gave them to me at the end of the year. I used them for one game. They were the same shoe size he gave them to me at the end of the year. I I asked Arenze Onwaku, who was the center on that team, if I could have a pair of shoes. And he tried to sell them to me for 60 (laughs) bucks. (laughs) <laughs> Which, in retrospect, would have been a recruiting violation, yeah, I, I think, because I was a manager on the team. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. He tried to sell them to me for sixty bucks, and then and then Andy was like, "Don't be an ass. Here, you can have, you can yeah, Andy's, have mine." Andy's a great dude. Obviously, his dad, Leo, Syracuse legend, has been calling Raptor games since the start. And Andy's always been when Canada was really struggling and nobody wanted to play for them. They didn't have as many NBAers back then, but they still had a, a fair number and. Just for whatever reasons, contracts, insurance, whatever, most guys wouldn't play for the national team. Andy always showed up, and he, you know, I remember asking him, you know, what it, when guys show up, like, what are you going to think about that? And he was always really cool about it. He's like, even if they were they replace some other guys, you know, I just hope they buy in and show this commitment because, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys that do care, and then hopefully they do. And I think that's the cool thing about these kids you see coming up, like R.J. Barrett. Obviously, his dad, Rowan, it is Steve Nash is his godfather, and he grew up in the system, but these guys really want to play, and that's a big change, and that's cool, and I think uh, Andy Routens was, was one of the guys that kind of really encouraged that in the previous generation. can't believe we're talking about Andy Routens yeah, for so long. Random segue. Wizards podcast. We have anything else from this game? Uh, I thought I thought Beal played well. They really came at him. There's not yeah, the, yeah. So, like, the Raptors guard Bradley Beal probably more aggressively than any other defense in the league, and I think part of that is because Nick Nurse 
has a absolutely ridiculous amount of respect well, for Bradley Beal. He kicked uh, their ass so many times. Like, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Just let him drop 50, drop yeah. 40? Like, he saw it in the playoffs. He's seen it so many times. The guy, he's really, really good. And against Toronto, he, he steps it up usually to another level. So I'll have a, a big story on Brad coming out on Friday morning in The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic so you can read that story. Uh, and the whole reason that it inspired was because of a conversation that I had with Nick Nurse. Uh, Nick Nurse told me he thinks he has the best footwork in the NBA. Wow. Uh, and uh, I have some quotes from Nurse in that story just because his analysis of Brad is like, he's just so impressed with Brad. He's, he says he's the best start-stop guy in the league. Except when uh, he travels, and uh, they don't call it. <laughs> <laughs> a little too much starting. I, oh like. God! I should ask him about the travel tonight. I can't believe I forgot. I was I went into it. I was going to ask him about the travel, and I forgot. I guess he there was no shoot around. I couldn't ask after a loss, so I guess I wasn't going to do it anyway. But oh, that travel was. He had a great. You see his tweet after? Yeah, that was great. It was a great tweet. That was amazing. That was an absurd travel. It was hilarious. The referees' association says it was all good. But then Monty McCutcheon yeah, says it wasn't. Said no. I love when McManaman comes out with the thing. We spoke to I saw that in my, my first reaction. Because you can relate to this. As a reporter, somebody reports something else that's on your beat. And your first reaction is always like, ah, oh, crap. I got beat. And that was my reaction for about two seconds. I was like, I should have hit up the league. Should have gotten money. Should have gotten a statement. And that was my reaction for about two seconds. And then after two seconds, I was like, no, this is totally ridiculous. Monty McCutcheon's putting out a statement about a non-travel call that the ref union said was the right call. Like, who who cares? <laughs> so I was fine with it after that. But it, it, for, for about two seconds, I was so down on myself <laughs> for not getting the exclusive with Monty McCutcheon about Bradley Beal's irrelevant travel. I know the feeling, but it, it, the whole thing was just pretty hilarious, and especially Beal's response on Twitter was was fantastic. It was really funny. Um, yeah, that's about Beal, Beal played really well, by the way. Yeah, he, he was good. The Wizards were fine tonight. Yeah, they played fine. Jeff Green played well. Ariza was was pretty good. Beal was very good. He did a, a really good. He he had some turnovers. But well, Ananobi was really good on him. Like, yeah, in particular, he he made him work. Beal's just so good that. That he he still still get his regardless. The Raptors double him off of yeah. every single type of screen, pick and rolls. Yeah. When he's coming off pin downs, it's just like they come at him, and they're so. I don't think they're the best defensive team in the league. I think the best defensive team in the league when they're going right is Oklahoma City. Yeah. But I think the Raptors have the most, um, the, the largest number of versatile defenders. Yeah, they can. The I think Kawhi hasn't quite been that. That's no doubt about it best defense player in the year like nobody's even close which he's, he was at times in San Antonio but he's still been really really good and Ananobi's really really good and Siakam and obviously Serge has mm-hmm. had some huge years and now they get Gasol's brilliant basketball mind and obviously his length and Danny size. Green's really good too. Danny Green's a very good defender as well. I mean though and Kyle Lowry he's not the same guy he was but he's super smart and no, he's good. they're positionally the thing is positionally they're almost always in the right position and that, that makes up for some of maybe the areas that they're not quite as good at whether it's length or athleticism, although they have that in spades as well. So, I mean, this is going to be a really good team. I think I think people might – I wonder about the chemistry and if they have enough time to figure it all out, but they still have a, a whole number, like 30 games or whatever it is left to figure it all out. And I think the Raptors, you're going to hear a lot about them in the playoffs. Like, this is this is a really solid team, and it's not like the, the teams we've seen in the past from the Raptors. Yeah. Yeah, they're really impressive. Top four in the East is just – 
It's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I have no... People say, who do you think is going to win the East? I have no idea. It could be any of four teams. And if Indiana had, had Vic healthy... Yeah. Like, that was tough. I was Indiana's there covering still good. that uh, when, he, when he went down. That sucked. Yeah. That was, that was brutal. He's, I covered him in Oklahoma City. He's yeah. a really good guy, yeah. too. Which is, like, it's really unfortunate. Everyone on that team just, like... Loves him, and yeah. everyone in Oklahoma City really liked him. It's just like everywhere he goes, people, people like that guy. And he's he's a he's a genuinely good guy. Um, plug your stuff before you wrap up. All right, yeah, you can Ryan Wolstat from the Toronto Sun. You at Wolstat Sun on Twitter, W O L S T A T S U N. And yeah, on the Raptors, Canadian basketball. If you're if you're so inclined, and uh, general NBA stuff once a week as well. Great, and. Uh, I don't think I actually introduced myself at all on this podcast. <laughs> so if you're listening for the first time, my name is Fred Katz, and I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes. Give us five stars. Leave a review. If you don't know who I am, now you know. Uh, I will not be podcasting over All-Star. I'm not. I will be at All-Star. Wise decision. Yeah, I'll be at All-Star. I don't think you need immediate reaction to the three-point contest. And quite honestly, even if you did, I don't care about any of you enough to do it. Just kidding. I love all of you for listening because you're the people who allow me to do this, but I don't care about you enough to do this. So uh, I will be back. I care about you enough to podcast after games. And I'm going to be back after uh, the Hornets game on the 22nd, which is after the All-Star break. Um, I got how many days off now podcasting? Nine days off podcasting. If something crazy happens over the All-Star break, I'll do an All-Star break. But if nothing, I'll do an All-Star break pod. But if nothing newsworthy happens, I will be back on Friday, the 22nd. I'll talk to you guys then.